What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sports Day podcast, Ballsy. Sports Day DFW and the Dallas Morning News. I am Kevin Sherrington. You forgot the name of the podcast, didn't you? No, no, no. I got it out of order there. I, I was going to say uh, Sports Day DFW, and I got it screwed up in the order. But that's okay. That's a, that's all right. I'm not a professional at this kind of thing. We've noticed. Yeah, we have noticed. And joining us from Oklahoma, the Daily Oklahoman, the great Barry Trammell. Hi, Barry. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's things in Dallas? You know, we're just rocking along here. It was about 1,000 degrees last week, and it's cooled down a little bit, so we're, we're feeling better about that. Did you walk from the parking lot to, to here? It is not cooled down. I have down. a really good parking space. I park it right next oh, to the you, door. Oh, you park in the ex- with the executives. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I do. Barry, it's kind of heated up there in Oklahoma a little bit with, uh, with Bob Stoops' shocking uh, retirement and then Lincoln Riley taking over for that position. I wanted to ask you, first of all, how surprised were you w- about that announcement? Real surprised. I knew he, I knew Bob wasn't going to coach till he was seventy, but I thought he would. I thought he would see July fourth. So, um, you know, I, I didn't see it coming at all. It was a bolt out of the blue. He's great at keeping things quiet, and he really he kept this one quiet. Yeah, and, and uh, I should point out that you, you were the one who broke the story that, uh, that Bob was going to retire. We're not going to ask you who your sources were, but they were obviously very good. Um, now, let me ask you this, because there's been lots of speculation about why he decided to do this. Um, and, uh, and, of course, he denies the, uh, the health reasons. You know, his father died at, uh, what, at 52 of a heart attack? Is that what it was? Yeah, 54. 54, right. And and Bob is fifty six. Um, he 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 denied it in a way, but then later on, when it was packaged in with several other things, he said that all of those things were factors, but it was personal. He didn't want to get into that. So why do you think he decided to do this? Well, I think it's two reasons. I think it. I think it's uh, a lot of it is the health, and it's not acute. I don't think it's anything serious. I don't think a doctor said. You got six months to live, or whatever. Right. However, he did. His, he's always been concerned about his family health history. His dad did die on the football field uh, at the age of fifty-four uh, of a heart attack. And Bob has some of the same genetic makeup of his father, and he's talked about that rarely, not very often, a long time ago. But he has done it. That's always something that sort of concerned him. I think so. Uh, I could see uh, a, uh, a doctor telling Bob Stoops here in the next, here in the last month or so. You know what, Bob? This is starting to look a little, a little bit worse than what we'd seen before. And Stoops taking that as a sign. You know what? 
why don't they just slow down? I can see that happening easily. Um, I don't know if that happened, but I, I don't think it's anything that he, you know, he's got to immediately worry about, but I think he's always known that he needed to, to be careful. And I also think he wasn't going to leave if, if, he, could, if he could work it. He wasn't going to leave unless the program was in great shape. He didn't. I think his legacy, his legacy is important to him in a broad way, not important in oh, a statistical way. Somebody asked me yesterday, how could he retire 10 wins shy of 200? That kind of stuff doesn't matter to him. He literally doesn't care about that. He probably didn't even know it. Um, but the general health of the program was important to him. I don't think he wanted to leave uh, in a season in which they went 9-4 and four and finished third in the Big 12 and people saying, what the heck's going on? They won back-to-back Big 12s, back-to-back top fives, and they got Baker Mayfield returning. So the program's in great shape. They had a guy that they could hand the program to that would keep everything running, the same staff, you know, the same, the same foundation, and I think that was important to him. So the, uh, the uh, status of the program in Lincoln Riley, coupled with the fact that he's now he's going to be 57 in September, I think made him think, you know what, now's the time. What will his role be going forward? I, you know what, they made a pretty big deal about that, that he'll be a special assistant to the athletic director. I think what that means is if, if OU calls, he, he's agreed to answer the phone. You know, if, if they want to, if Lincoln Riley wants to call and say, hey, what uh, should I do with this knucklehead who just, uh, who just cheated on a test? Bob will give some advice. I think they wanted Bob to not walk away totally and say, I don't want anything to do with it. But in terms of being in the office or being around campus or anything on a regular basis, no. Um, I think he's just going to be available. He's not the kind of guy that they could call and say, hey, well, you go talk to this oil man and see if you can get us $2 million. Bob Stoops isn't going to do that. Um, but I think that uh, they is, he is a guy they could call and say, hey, here's the guy that might give us some money, but you don't have to say anything, just go play golf with him. He'd probably do that. So, um, you know, I think he's just going to make himself available for, for whatever OU needs in the way of, of PR or just uh, advice. Right now, now, Barry, of course, in any time something like this happens and so unexpectedly, there's lots of rumors out there, and I want you to swat these all away as I serve them up to you. First of all, that uh, that he refused to fire his brother, and that's and that's why he quit. Um, no, I don't think that happened. I do think the thought of firing his brother. Um, really uh, worried him, though. He always said he could do it if he had to, but I don't think he wanted to. And the truth is, Mike has been a little bit shaky in the last couple of years defensively. They got better towards the end of the season. Um, nobody could you know, nobody could say, hey, you, you got to fire your brother. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, nobody in Oklahoma would do that. Even if they wanted to, there's probably some people that would want to say that, but they wouldn't say that just because of the, the respect they have for Bob Stoops. So I, I don't think that happened, but I do think that that's something that weighed on Bob's mind is the fact that you know his brother's defense, and frankly, Bob's part of that too. I mean, it's not like he's 
he's, right. he's over there coaching defense too, so he's part of the he's part of the uh, solution or problem. Um, I, I do think that might have weighed on him. Yeah, I can Im- I can imagine that it would, but I just don't see that as the as the reason for him to to go. Uh, I think there probably was a combination of factors. Do you? How much do you think it, the timing of this, because as it came at the first, at the start of the summer, was uh, in a way, uh, in case he he was, had any doubts about it, it kind of forced Borens and Castiglione's hand to to make Lincoln Riley the successor. I don't I don't think that was it. Um, I think Lincoln Riley was identified as a possible successor. Two years ago, when he arrived on campus, everybody in the administration was blown away by the way Lincoln can, Lincoln Riley conducted himself and the way uh, that he presented himself and the way uh, his intelligence and his personality. I think they had that on their radar early. And then when he started coaching and the offense was clearly you know, top flight, I think that was a decision that was made a long time ago, perhaps as many as 18 months ago, that Stoops could stay as long as he wanted, but uh, but when he leaves, Lincoln Riley's going to be the replacement. And uh, I also think that uh, the only way that could blow up is if somebody hired away Lincoln Riley, somebody with a good job, Tennessee, Texas A&M, you know, a, a job like that, then it might be a little more problematic getting Lincoln Riley back um, but if that didn't happen, well, I think it was automatic. Lincoln Riley was going to be the coach. I think this June retirement works well uh, from Stoops' standpoint because of players. Right. You know, in football, you know, you don't have a lot of guys bolting after a coaching change in football. It's not like basketball, which is just a pirate ship. Football's got a little bit more order to it, but uh, most of OU's class was in, had already come in January, the freshmen, and those that hadn't had come in June and were enrolled, so they had those guys in, and, you know, June is a, is a pretty good time to, to uh, try to keep your, keep your uh, next year's class intact and go after some new guys, so I actually think the timing, you know, we're so conditioned to coaches getting fired or quitting in December, not even coaching the bowl game. We're so used to that, we think that's when it's supposed to happen. But the truth is, it's a terrible time for it to happen. Right, you know, a month or two before signing day, before the season's even over, it's just anarchy. But it's become so common that we sort of accept. Here, here's a here's a, uh, a phrase I thought I'd never use. Uh, my Oklahoma sources <laughs> tell me <laughs> that that the announcement came deliberately after summer school had started. Is that correct? And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I think so. Just for those freshmen. Right. Yeah, I think that was probably true. So so once, so with the thought being, they once they had started school, they could not leave without forfeiting eligibility yeah. or something. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's true. Now, the, the, but what I also would say is, not only do, not only do you still see a lot of coaching a lot of player unrest after a coaching change in football. You really head coaches uh, relationship is not that important. Now that's counter to everything we've been reading since Newt Rockney and 
and uh, Pop Warner. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, it would have been a more upheaval to this 27-team, Oklahoma team, if Lincoln Riley had left instead of Bob Stoops. Because quarterbacks are, you know, they actually do care about who, who's, the, uh, who's the coach and those kinds of things. So uh, I don't think that played a big part of it. I don't think it. I don't think it was necessary for OU to do that. But I think that's part of the reason they did, just to batten down all the hatches. Can you give me three good reasons or three reasons why uh, Lincoln Riley was a great coordinator, but why he will be a, a good head coach? Well, I, I don't have any idea how he's going to do, but I can tell you what they like about okay. him. Okay. Um, and I'll give you four. And the first one's not about Lincoln Riley. It's about Oklahoma. This is what Oklahoma almost always has done, and it almost always has worked since 19, well, since World War II, they've hired one coach who had head coaching experience, and that was Howard Schnellenberger, which was a disaster. So this is, what they, this is just what they do. 1947, they hired, uh, they promoted Bud Wilkinson. He was 31. 1967, they promoted Chuck Fairbanks. He was 33. 1973, they promoted... Um, Barry Switzer, he was 35. 1989, they promoted Gary Gibbs. He was 36. Now, three of those were home runs, and Gary Gibbs was okay. He just didn't win enough and got fired, but it's not like he was a disaster. No. And when they haven't, uh, when they haven't promoted, it's because the program was not in great shape, and they went out uh, and hired an assistant from outside, which was – uh, those would be people like, uh, oh, um, Bob Stoops. Yeah, right. Um, John Blake. Now, that was a disaster. <laughs> but for the most part, it works great. So that's what they do. They like about What they like about Riley is they like his demeanor. He's very personable without being uh, a big personality. He's just sort of a, he's sort of a, uh, a laid-back personality. You know what's interesting, guys? Uh, in the history of OU football, this is only the second coach they've ever hired who grew up in the state of Texas. Gibbs was the other. Um, and Lincoln Riley is from uh, Muleshoe. He's got that West Texas uh, sort of uh, demeanor that's really easy to like and, and uh, not rough around the edges. He's really going to resonate with people. I had a friend of mine call me and, and has nicknamed – he's nicknamed uh, – Lincoln Riley, uh, too good to be true. Too good to be true. <laughs> so they like that. He's clearly very intelligent. I mean, he's, he's apparently he's brilliant. I don't, I don't know how to measure that. But people talk about how smart he is and how uh, intelligent, even going back to high school. The people of Muleshoe were surprised that he went into coaching. They thought he was going to be a scientist or a doctor. Wow. He was just so brilliant. So, uh, and third. Um, uh, his leadership qualities appear to be pretty prevalent, um, not just with players, but with other coaches. It looks like it's a very popular move with the staff. Uh, of course, you know some of that. Just everybody knows they, the head coach is gone, and everybody gets to stay together. So that's a good thing. But uh, those kinds of things, it's it, it's nothing tangible. I mean, when you promote for, that's why people go hire a head coach. They know he's done it before. 
that gives them some, some bullets to, to rest on. But at Oklahoma, they've always sort of tried to identify a guy they see as a young uh, leader, uh, Switzer, Stoops, Wilkinson, Chuck Fairbanks, people like that, and it, it's always gone well for them. So that's what they see in Lincoln Riley. You know, that's I looked that up the other day. I was comparing uh, coaches in the Texas OU rivalry, and, and it was really interesting to me when I, I never realized that before, that, that Wilkinson, Switzer, Stoops, that was the only head coaching job they ever had, uh, which is really kind of phenomenal when you think about uh, where, that, you know, where they stand nationally. Those are three national caliber coaches, and it's the only job they ever had. I wonder how many other coaches you could say that You know, about. by comparison, I was just – Thinking, you know, what does Texas do? They go out and they hire somebody else's coach. They have, you know, Daryl had had two, had been a head coach two places. Uh, 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 Mac had been a coach at three places. Uh, yeah. coach. And Macavick had been all over. David McWilliams had the one year at Tech. Yeah, Texas historically has gone for the head coach. That's right. right. Charlie Strong. Tom Herman. Charlie Strong had been, and Tom Herman. Not not a lot of experience, no, there, but, but, but more than that. Yeah, I think that they, you know, and I remember when. When Stoops got hired, you know, he was Cordy had a great rec- reputation and he had a great pedigree, had been worked under some great coaches, that kind of thing. Um, but I remember thinking at the time, I don't think Texas would do this. You know, I don't think they would bring in an assistant, a guy who had never been a head coach before. And, th- and that is interesting to me that, uh, as you point out, that Oklahoma has done that repeatedly and had such success with it. Do you think that that says more about the program than it does, though, about the head coaches? Well, I don't want to say anything that demeans the the careers of Wilkinson Stoops or or Switzer. They were unique men with unique leadership and qualities, and that they would have transferred anywhere and would have been successful anywhere. However, there is something to be said that this program does sort of believe in itself and doesn't believe it has to go out and pick a singular person to lift it up. Um, I think I think the people that historically and currently that run OU football believe that this program has enough going for it that they can they can identify a a, a good leader and give him the tools to uh, to be successful and and the program will succeed at the level that it, that is expected. You know, one thing Bob Stoops likes to say is, you know, if you're not sure about what to do, there's not such a it's not such a thing as a right or wrong answer. Uh, he believes in, in making a decision and then making it the right one. And I think that's what Oklahoma football traditionally has done. Yeah. You know, uh, on the Lincoln-Riley question, I had, of course, no idea that Bob Stoops was going to retire. I was convinced that uh, for 2018, Lincoln-Riley would be working in Lubbock. Yeah, I think uh, that worried OU a little bit. Now, I don't know if Tech can afford to fire Cliff if, if things don't go well uh, for for the Red Raiders this season. They, he's got a big contract, and they got a lot of debt service they're still trying to pay off with their facilities. Um, they're getting a lot of money. Everybody in the Big 12 is making money. But I don't, you know, I don't know if Tech can afford to, to buy out Kingsbury, even uh, even if things go south, uh, clearly Lincoln Riley would have been a big time a big time candidate in Lubbock if if that job did come open. No doubt about that. 
Yeah, I, I, you're right about that. And I know there are some big hitters uh, out at Texas Tech who really love him. Uh, and one in particular considers him like a son. So I know that's a very difficult situation. But I tell you, I don't know if I've ever seen a worse defense at this level of football in my life than what they've run out there the last four or five years. It's just, you know, that was what – I mean, somebody were, was talking before the draft about – Patrick Mahomes and saying that, well, he didn't win very much. It's in, the, in, the, in the losses he had last year, just last year. They scored some points, they, didn't they? The, their opponents scored at least 51 points in all their losses. So you're asking him to crank up at least 52 points for each of those games. I don't know another quarterback in the country who had to do that kind of thing. I've been to Lubbock. I go to Lubbock almost every year for OU or OSU. Um the last two times I've been to Lubbock, I've seen the Red Raiders score a combined 112 points <laughs> and come away a loser both times. 70-53 and 66-59. How about that? Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy to me. And, you know, that's the, that's the question I want to ask you because this is one of my problems in, with head coaches is that um, I've always kind of been a believer pretty much. Now, the, this new era of, of uh, spread offenses has kind of changed my mind some. Uh, it depends on where you are. If you're at Baylor, I think you have to be offensive-oriented. I think if you're at a big school like Oklahoma or Texas, it's better if you're a defensive-oriented guy because it's been my experience that the defensive quarter, coordinators who become head coaches have much less ego about it. And the offensive coordinators are guys – who are who want to show everybody how smart they are and how great their offense is, and they don't pay any attention to, to defense, which has certainly been the case at Texas Tech uh, and in some other places as well. Uh, and it, to some extent, it, that's been the case at Texas A&M. So give me your thoughts about Lincoln Riley. Do you think that he can still put out the, a presentable defense? Well, I think he can. Um the thing I would caution Lincoln about is holding on to the offense. Um, more and more guys are finding that that's, that's not doable. You know, Dana Holgerson has let go, for crying out loud. Right. Um, he's hired a guy to run his offense at West Virginia. Uh, Gundy tried it for two years. It went okay, but he realized, ah, this isn't working. Um, I think Lincoln Riley's pretty smart. Um, that's one of the things about that I uh, was talking about Oklahoma and the program. Um, they're not just, just the culture awareness is not going to let him get too far from the mainstream in terms of, of that. I mean, people will let him know, you know, the tech defense or the West Virginia defense, those kinds of things, you know, people will get after you pretty good. If Lincoln Riley's not successful, there will be anarchy in the streets, and he'll, he won't have to have an AD or somebody tell him. He's going to know it, and I think he's smart enough to know that. So I think, to me, the, the problem with Lincoln would be just the time management that he's going to face. Um, I, don't, I guess what I'm saying is, even if he's successful five years from now, I don't expect him to be, still be the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think that's just too tough of a job anymore. For uh, on the college level, so many things you got to do uh, unrelated to football. He's going to learn what those things are. I don't think he has any idea yet. He's smart enough to adapt and figure it out. But I think one of the things he's going to figure out is 
somebody else is going to have to sort of take over the offense. What, what, what kind of recruiter do you think he is? Oh, I guess good. Uh, it's fairly – I don't know why he wouldn't be good. He's great to talk to. Right. Uh, the quarterback success of, of recruiting has been okay in his two years. And no, he's been here two and a half that first year. Uh, he got here in January, so that really wasn't anything. But um, you know, he got a uh, he got a uh, uh, the kid from Mesquite last year, um, who's now a freshman. Uh, that was a good get, I guess. You know, they lost. They had the uh, kid from California, Cameron Rising, who they lost to Texas just in the last month or two. Uh, went went out and got a guy from Waco and, uh, instead. So. Um, you know, it's not like he's gone out and got the best quarterback in the nation. So I would say it's largely unproven on what caliber of quarterbacks he's brought in at Oklahoma. But it, it would, I'd be hard-pressed to think he wouldn't be a good recruiter. Um, he's just been, you know, just just his personality is such that people are drawn to him and people like him. So I, I wouldn't know why that wouldn't translate to, to recruiting. Well, let me ask you one last question. We're going to let you go here, Barry. You've been great. We appreciate you taking the time. Kyler Murray, is he ever going to start a game at quarterback? I tend to think he'll start next season. Really? Yeah. um, He's up in Cape Cod playing baseball this summer, so it's not like he's sold out to football. But uh, I was very impressed in the spring game. Uh, I I went there looking – Expecting to see a guy who was a great athlete, but really wasn't that great of a thrower. But I was impressed with with his throwing. It was it was clear to me he's the second best quarterback on campus. Um, I think the prospect of a guy that can run like that thrills Lincoln Riley. So uh, I would guess that he would be the quarterback next season uh, and have two years eligibility remaining. I think that I think that's why he came. Uh, Maybe hoping that Baker Mayfield would turn pro and he'd have three, but I think he's—I think he's the heir apparent. I really do. And, and I'm going to ask my last question okay, too. Okay, go ahead. What What is the feeling in Oklahoma precincts about the new coach at Texas, Tom Herman? How do How do they How do they look at him or see him as as a rival? I think there's some fear and trepidation uh, because Tom's so impressive as a person. Um, Anybody's hurt him or been around him, which I have. I went down to Houston, spent a little bit of time with him last year, and I just came away very impressed with him. Uh, you had to be impressed with what he did at Houston. And of course, one of those things was knocking off the Sooners. So I think that has, I think that has uh, some Sooners worried that maybe, you know, maybe Texas could be on the way back. And if you, you know, that's a bittersweet feeling because everybody in this part of the country needs Texas to get back, including everyone in the state of Oklahoma, because that'll only help the league. But uh, Herman looks like the total package. So, uh, you know, sort of the same way Lincoln Riley looks like the total package, except Herman has, you know, had had two uh, head coaching seasons, one of which he won a, a major bowl and beat Florida State and then knocked off Oklahoma to open the next season. So he's got he's got a resume that's, pretty impressive and he and, and he seems to be the total package for texas he seems a little too good to be true so we'll see if that if that comes to pass 
Well, let's hope so, because, you know, there's nothing better than that uh, second Saturday in October at the State Fair. Is there, Barry? Right. It's a lot of fun. And, wow, two first-year coaches in the rivalry. First time since 47. That's correct. It's happened three times in the history of the rivalry. I looked that up the other day. Okay. Well, that'd be, uh, you know, 46, 47 is really when the rivalry sort of took off and became what it is. But... um, so that'll be fun. That'll be fun. And, uh, of course, both of them have experienced the game as assistants. Herman as a GA years ago, and Riley the last two years as a coordinator. But, yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it will. Probably both coming in with a loss. Because Texas has to go to the Coliseum and OU has <laughs> yeah. to go to the Horseshoe. Yeah, that's a little rough. It's a little rough with a non-conference uh, scheduling. They need to be taking a cue from uh, Baylor. From Baylor, yeah, load up on some of the the, the lalas of the land. That would be really good. Barry, it's great having you on, man. We appreciate you taking the time. Always great to talk to you and get filled in on what's happening in Oklahoma and, and pretty much everywhere else uh, for the, for that matter. We we love having you on. Thanks for doing it, man. You bet. See you guys later. Take care. There goes Barry Trammell. He was he was great, and I got to mention that I have Oklahoma sources. Yeah, that was really good. I, I want to say about Barry Trammell, uh, you know, uh, you and I have been doing this a long time and uh, known a lot of people in the business. I don't think there's ever been anybody in Oklahoma that I recall better than Barry Trammell. Not, not better than— Better reporter, better, better reporter, writer. Better writer and, and, and a better attitude about it, you know. We go back a little ways when Barry Switzer would— Love to talk about the sports writers that he knew back in the day. We, you know, you could trust them, is what Barry would always say, which means that they wouldn't write what well, was going. Yeah, on. Yeah, and I think it's important that you mentioned he he broke and I and I and I, my sources in Oklahoma told me that he broke the story a little before Oklahoma was ready to release it. Too, they yeah. they they wanted to go toward the end of the week. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, they want to re- release it on a Friday. I, don't, I never understand. You know, people that. always want to do that Friday thing. They think that uh, it was released on a Wednesday, and he broke it on a Wednesday. Yeah, I think that's there. right. It was a Wednesday. Yeah. So anyway, he does a great job. I uh, just love him. He's 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 a really interesting guy too. So I I, I love talking to him. He, he's the kind of guy that you know he he's, he's not flummoxed by things. He doesn't he doesn't overreact to stuff. You know, he's just he we should have asked him about Kevin Durant. Oh, we should have asked him about Kevin Durant. Yeah, well, maybe we'll do that on our next job. I think that he is the one who drove Kevin Durant out of uh, OKC. Everybody thinks that Kevin Durant wanted to go to Golden State to win a title. He was just trying to get away from from Barry Trammell. And you know, and we have other podcasts today as well. Yes, we, uh, we do. We, we've been remiss because we Sean Bass is not here, so we haven't updated the listeners on on who we talked to and and what. But we have the Hall of Famer coming up. Yes, Eric we do. Adele. Talk, talk about Rangers. Rangers baseball. And then we have Eddie Sefko, a Hall of Famer, a Sports Day Hall a of Famer. A Sports Day Hall of Famer. Yeah. Here, here to talk, talk about, about the, the Mavericks draft. draft. That's correct. So it, it, we got lots more to go. So we should probably say should get goodbye out of for now. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.